guys, welcome back to the Well Said Podcast, where we are talking about following Jesus in a post-Christian culture. My name is Andre, and today I'm having kind of a fun episode. I'm here with my buddy Vitaly. How's it going, man? Hey, what's up? Um, Vitaly is visiting from out of town, and we're hanging out this weekend, and we thought we'd sit down and share some of the uh, things that we've learned in our friendship. Um, so the question we're talking Three about... years of arguing. Yeah. Through many years of arguing and talking, you know, that's the thing about friendship, I think. Me and my wife were talking about it the other day. Um, friendship is kind of defined by conversation, the quality of conversations you have with friends. So I am very fortunate to have friends with whom I have the most amazing discussions. I think that's, um, that's shaping more than anything else in life. So I was like, let's use this opportunity to talk about uh, some of the stuff we've learned like in the context of our friendship. Um, so the question we want to ask today is um, how do Christians approach disagreement correctly? So we live in a world that is kind of plagued with disagreement and rage and conflict and division. Um, and oftentimes for us as Christians, especially young people in the church, this is one of the huge turnoffs. It's so discouraging to see uh, and we don't really know how to process it either, especially, you know, our cultural moment doesn't help. It only exacerbates the problem. Yeah, and I wonder if sometimes a big part of the issue is even often not the fact that disagreement exists, but how it's carried about. Right, right, right. So diving in, I think like the first question that I'd want to ask is um, why does disagreement among Christians Exist and why is it such a prominent reality in the in the life of the church? Because to many of us young people, it's like disagreement exists, and that's a sign of something wrong. So, what would we say to that first question? Why does disagreement exist between believers, between people who are followers of Jesus together? Love the Bible. Yeah. Who are professing that there's one objective truth, right? Kind of idea. Um, we all worship the same Jesus, same gospel, right? And yet people disagree. Why? Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting. I think a couple approaches. One is that if you look at the very beginning of the Bible, basically after the fall, mm-hmm. you have the next chapter, disagreement, beginning yeah. with Cain and Abel. Right. Well, Cain wasn't a Christian, okay. But if you continue on, uh, you, you see that Christian people or Followers, believers, followers of God, followers of God, they disagree. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, you have in in the New Testament, the famous disagreement between uh, Paul and Peter and Paul and Barnabas, right? Overtaking Mark and and things like that. With Peter, they grilled Peter when he went and preached the gospel to the Gentiles, right? Yeah. And uh, so that's one thing is that it seems that after the fall, because we've stepped outside of um, God's revealed will and we have experienced being broken by sin mm-hmm. we are going to um we're going to disagree because we are we're coming at every problem every issue with mixed motives with mixed realities and mixed perspectives mixed perspectives right yeah um and so it, it's almost but on the other hand if you think about it disagreement is uh it's almost expected in a certain degree also because as humans we're limited right we're so finite. we're finite yeah so we're finite and we're conditioned by our environment so we're going to look at like you said from a certain perspective so we're not going to uh, we're not going to have all the answers right to any given thing 
Right. But the other so th- even Adam and Eve, but pre-fall, could they have had a disagreement? That's a, that's an interesting that's question. A, I, yeah, because they're finite. Yeah, right. They don't know everything. Yeah, are we gonna have disagreements in the new heaven and the new earth? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, is the, so in one sense, is this just a consequence of the fall, or is it built in as creatureliness? Yeah, right. And maybe you know, and this maybe comes into the fact of, um, you know, like you mentioned, how we view disagreement. Right. If we view it as something inherently evil and negative. Right then um then yeah then it wouldn't exist but if it's maybe it's just part of being a creature and mm-hmm. uh, having a different way of doing different things and viewing that the inevitable result of limited creatures interacting and trying to make sense of life right yeah and, and get get through a world and live out yeah. god's commandments and truth yeah and th- in some sense you know interesting is the the difference between uniformity and unity Mm-hmm. Right, so uh, you don't want you want a united church, not a uniform church. Right, you don't want everybody like clone warriors. Yeah, you know, the, the exactly same, same. The, the exact same thing, yeah. right? Uh, and even the diversity of the Trinity, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit—they are one, and yet they are distinct in in certain ways. Yeah, and even Jesus prays to the Father, "Not my will, but Your will be done." There's yeah. diversity, even of experience. Um there yeah but you know the other thing is not necessarily disagreement though but there's still that diversity diversity yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. and i I think post fall we look at diversity and we look at it as a negative thing as a complementary right potentially but you know and speaking about disagreement the other thing that's really important to realize is that this whole idea of disagreement often is overblown Hmm. christians actually agree on way more then they, they disagree. Then they disagree. Yeah. So I think there's maybe some hot topic things that Christians disagree on. And maybe people do have negative experiences wherever mm-hmm. they've been where things have been blown out of proportion. There have been arguments and fights and un- right. ungodly way of de- But if you, I, I think that's the idea. I mean, unbelievers often use this. Like, you guys can't agree with any, anything on the church. You're like, right. and it, it's a ridiculous notion because there's been actually a lot more agreement on things among believers right. than disagreement. We particularly find it most like uncomfortable, disconcerting when we see disagreement among the church, but we fail to see how much agreement exists among believers when it's there because it's all peaceful and good, right? Yeah. So, so, so inevitably then, as creatures and as fallen creatures, disagreement exists. And even among godly people in the whole Bible, you see examples of godly people disagreeing and not even necessarily in sin. So disagreement existing is not actually a sign of something wrong per se. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, it's actually, if you think about it, I'm partially the reason disagreement also exists is that God hasn't perfectly revealed everything. Mm-hmm. And I think that's intentional on the part of God to help us to stay humble. Yeah. To help us. So there isn't like the, the superhuman with whom you cannot disagree. Right. Who's got everything perfectly, right? Disagreement, like in our life, right? It, disagreeing on things brings clarity, keeps you humble. Right. Keeps you saying, hey, maybe I don't know everything. I need a different perspective. Maybe I've gone out of line. So right. it keeps you from this like, becoming authoritarian hopefully that's yeah. that's the idea so it keeps us all humble and dependent aware of our limits aware, aware of, of our but true it, state but it also it allows us to crystallize what are the things that where you can disagree mm-hmm. and things where you 
it, it helps you see what is most important, what is at the right. heart. Right. Uh, because disagree, you know, with disagreement, you 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 have to come to an understanding that there is things that are non-negotiable and things that are negotiable. Right. Right. So truth exists, and it helps you fine tune your sense of it. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. It's and it's so interesting because like some of us are more wired than others too. So like I don't like personal confrontation. Like I, I again, none of us do, right? No, nobody likes to tell somebody that they're wrong. That's really uncomfortable. But personally, I love the the notion of debate. I, I crave it. I love it. You know. But to me, that's not be, that's not because I like to like fight with people. It's more because I love to dig down on an idea and 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 seek clarity. And when I have people who are smarter than I am, who are questioning me or my thinking and challenging me, I, I love that because it helps me grow. But not everybody's wired like that. And so in the past, you know, even like in school, like around non-Christians where I'd be like, you know, why don't people want to talk about what they believe? You know, like with friends, non-believers, like, why don't you talk about your beliefs? Like, what do you believe? And they're like, well, not everybody. Like there's this, there's this fear yeah. of the notion of disagreement. But if you understand that as a fallen creature, I, I am in need of clarity and I am not all wise and all knowing. Yeah. The you, only way that I get to, the only way you expose your blind spots and your weak spots is when you have people who think differently than you and who challenge your thinking and especially in the church, right? Yeah. What's fascinating in this, um, you're reminding me of something. Alan Jacobs wrote a book called uh, How to Think. Mm. And he he talks about there about this, lack of a better term, sissification of culture, mm-hmm. where we are actually unable to have debates in the yeah. public square. He he talks about how, you know, people like universities, the educational system used to be a place where concurrent ideas could be challenged. Right. You could talk about, you could disagree, like where you there were clubs and things like that where it was okay to hold different opinions Mm -hmm. you know and you could now it seems like if you come out against the dominant whatever world you trend right idea people can't handle that they need you know they need their safety rooms and like you're attacking me personally by disagreeing with my idea where people are actually unable to handle right disagreement Right. right because they Right, and that's connected to the fact that our culture has shifted from an understanding of the truth is out there to the truth is in here. So if you if you challenge my truth, you're challenging me as a whole being. Yeah, and so you're attacking me. In the past, there was a much clearer sense of truth being objective out there, and we all are fighting to know it. Yeah. So if I attack your ideas, I'm not attacking you. Mm -hmm. We're both trying to get to to the truth. You know. Yeah. So that's crazy. So. And that so that kind of establishes this basic, you know, like Christians should not fear disagreement and especially even among each other. Christians, if Christians are living in fellowship and in unity and in maturity, disagreement is not something that we are to fear. But this then runs us into the next question, then, like, why does so often the the concept of disagreement, especially among Christians, go off the rails? Uh, Why does it go so bad? Why does it become bad? Uh, and sinful and destructive. I, I think a, par- a big part of it actually has to do with the fact that we don't often take seriously the reality that we are all, all Christians are already and not yet. We're still sinners. Right. So I, I think that begins is that we we don't um, take seriously that we have false motivations. Mm-hmm. 
that we are prone to fight for the right things with the wrong tools. Mm -hmm. And not to speak of the fact that often we fight for the wrong things. Right. Uh, not to speak that um, there's not enough. Often, the reality of um, disagreement, the level of it and the type of it, is really a good measuring rod of maturity. Right. right. There's lack right. of maturity. There's there may be a lot of knowledge. Right. You can know a lot of things, but a be lot very of immature. But you're very mature. You're not able to handle somebody who is different right. and disagrees. Right. Um, this also comes back to the idea. I think another element here is that it relates to the fact that we don't um, we don't have a very clear sense of what's primary and what's secondary. Mm -hmm. So we are in terms not, of teaching. In terms of teaching, um, so. Should there be healthy disagreement in church over the deity of Jesus? Right. No. Yeah. Because <laughs> you can't like, be a Christian. Yeah. In... That, that's like, you know, but that's very different than even, you know, arguing and having disagreement on uh, on things like how a church service should run. Right. That's even a different, you know, deity of Jesus is even different of how Christians disagree about uh, the time, the, you know, eschatology, the end times. Mm -hmm. Or even... Um, the distinct, the specifics of, um, this is more controversial, like gender roles or husband-wife relationships, the, the household. Um, yeah. You can both agree that men are called to lead and women are called to follow, but on the ground, what does that look like in your household? What does that look like in my household, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, what kind so of songs we sing at church? Like there's a lot of, right? So, I, so what you're hitting at here is what Al Mohler calls theological triage, which is basically... In, Christians need to understand this. Like, there are some doctrines in the Bible, part of Christianity, that are undisputable. Those are first-order doctrines. And I'll, I'll put a link up to Al Mohler's article on this. It's a really good article, yeah. You can, if you understand what the core doctrines of Christianity are, you can filter what is up for argument and what isn't. And then you know how to orient yourself in those arguments. So, like you said, you cannot question the deity of Christ and be a Christian but you can question how a worship service goes, or what songs we sing, or well, let me um, get it more controversial: what? spiritual gifts, right? So right. are the the our charismatic brothers and sisters, right, and and uh, cessationist brothers and sisters, right? In terms of gift of prophecy, gift or, of prophecy. So, am I going to talk with somebody um, who believes in the prophetic gifts the same way I would talk to a Mormon? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are those the no. same order, yeah. right? Uh you, uh, you know, am I damning somebody, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because we disagree. I yeah. mean, it's a crucial thing. We probably, it'd be really difficult to build a church together. Yeah. Uh, but it's but it doesn't mean that you have to curse them and, and yeah. anathemize them and get a, you know, not have anything to do with them. But like we've seen, I think in both of our church contexts where because people don't have a clarity of what is first order doctrines and what is secondary doctrines, what is tertiary doctrines, because people don't have that, then um, all the things, traditions and all, that they hold to are basically held as first order issues. So if your wife doesn't put a head covering on, she's probably going to go to hell. You know, yeah. like we've seen that. Or like, so it, it becomes very vicious when you don't understand the layering of doctrine in the Bible. Yeah. In our con in, in Russian context, what I've also seen is that there, especially among young people who have um, gotten more exposed to good theology or good mm -hmm. church practices, this also comes in a place where we we look and say, oh, th does your church do expository preaching? Yeah. Oh, you have three sermons. You must be a bad church. Yeah. 
uh, or like, yeah. you know, what do you know about? I mean, I remember uh, this is like one of the more embarrassing moments of my life uh, after shortly after becoming a Christian. Uh, my grandpa, who is, who really is for me, as I look back, one of the godliest men I've known. Yeah. He lived with us mm-hmm. all of my life. So this is not a person I've known from far. This is a person I lived with. Right. He lived with us. So I've seen his life as a believer. But I remember questioning him, like, do you really know the gospel? Yeah. Because I didn't hear a certain lingo from him that yeah. I would want to or certain. So it's like, do you even know what you're, you know, where yeah. this person has lived a life of following Jesus and was way more mature than me. And here I am, you know, on this thing, like, as if I'm better, you know, creating right. an argument, a fight, even over seemingly first order issues. Right. When I, w- I was way out of line, filled yeah. with, with pride and um, just personal the, ambition. The assumption there with us when we're young and we've discovered biblical theology is we just become these Bible thumpers who are like, you know, heresy hunting under every rock and um, basically equating like the more theology I know, the more righteous I am, yeah. which is totally not true. You can, yeah. I, I remember Mark Dever. He used to say this. You know, he's like the the most healthy thing for a young man who discovers reformed theology is for him to be locked up for a year or two. <laughs> you know, like just to protect people from him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. So on the one side, you have like hyper fundamentalist people who will just fight. You know, basically all truth and no love. Right. Yeah, and a lot Truth of it's at like all every, costs. And they, they see all disagreement basically as a slippery slope. Yeah, and, and it's all somehow tied into the gospel always. Right. So if you like, if you give up an inch here, you're 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 bound to a little bit later end up, right? You know, liberal and heresy or whatever, denying yeah. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And then you have the other extreme, which is a big prominent one in our world today, of just you know what Jesus loved everyone. Let's just chill out on the arguing and just accept everyone and love everyone. Um, which is just as much of a problem, right? Because you're you're giving up the truth for the sake of so-called love and acceptance and inclusion. Well, yeah, you're, what you're giving up in that point is that we we forget the th- the fact that what we believe actually is like relevant it's to life. life. Yeah, <laughs> it's our life. So, so it's not like it's not just we're not talking about ideas here. Simply yeah. like, hey, like this is cool. Let's just theorize and theologize and just like but it actually it it matters for how you build your your individual life your family life your church life yeah so if you're like this loosey-goosey most likely um most likely you're very shallow so people who are very loosey-goosey kind of like let's love everybody they they actually usually don't have any depth yeah and they are just kind of like they're not really building their life on anything solid, and mo- most often they're building their life on opinions out there, right? Of of like whatever the fat, whatever is faddish, right? And they don't have anything to stand for, or, right. um, and so that that's the other also problem is that we communicate that it, it, there's no consequences. You you forget the fact that your tr- your beliefs flow out through your life, and so beliefs matter. Disagreement is precisely important because we are pruning our sinful minds of false ideas the problem is you don't you don't go whacking people to pieces you know in the name of truth because it's supposed to be a healing loving process of wisdom but at the same time here's the ironic thing though right so like we live in a culture today that's hyper inclusive of everything like love everyone just stop arguing about the truth well the the inevitable result that we have seen now in the culture is that 
because we have eliminated truth and said include everyone, well then this lovey-dovey crowd then becomes militant and disagreeing against people who believe in truth. Oh yeah. So you're still not gonna really lovey dovey towards the exactly. truth. Exactly. <laughs> you're gonna disagree with someone. Your life will be filled with disagreement in some direction. The question is, are you doing it in a spirit that balances a love of truth and a and a and a mind and a wisdom that seeks knowledge of God's revealed truth and and true doctrine and true understanding of the gospel with a, a humility, understanding yeah. that you are flawed, that you don't know a lot of things, that you can hurt people and cause damage in their lives by the way you speak truth. Yeah, You, you can hurt somebody spiritually mm-hmm. by saying technically all the correct things in all the wrong ways at the wrong times. You can cause damage. And you, you might actually not be... Um, not be you might be disagreeing about different things as you're talking to the same person. Right. Like you might be talking past each other. And, and that's right. often, I think, sometimes often disagreements actually begin right here is be, because of prejudices Yeah. and precon- like preconceived notions of what the other person's talking about. Right. So we already begin with a conclusion in mind without hearing out and knowing what actually is going on. And, and that's so easy to do today in today's culture because the world of social media, it pushes you to define a position. What's your position? Here's the problem of the day. What's your position? Retweet, like, follow, share. Like without even digging down into what is actually going on. It's a culture that that doesn't discourages thinking, careful analysis and wisdom. And basically, if you're a careful, wise, thoughtful person, you your social media posts will just get buried in all the rage. Rage is what yeah. is what the clicks gen- generates clicks, yeah. and so in our culture we have to be mindful that our culture is anti wisdom. It is totally geared anti wisdom. So Christians who seek wisdom and seek insight, um, and to grow in a correct understanding and a heart attitude that mirrors that, those Christians will often feel like their their voice is lost in the the noise mm-hmm. you know the, the other thing here is that it's really hard to disagree well online yeah <laughs> like good disagreement it requires a conversation yeah right we're this is the other thing is right we're used to we're, we send an angry tweet because we disagree with an angry tweet <laughs> yeah. yeah right or we we, we 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 do a quick funny response or an angry response to a post yeah, that can be taken a hundred different directions, and somebody responds to that, and we actually are unable to sit down and talk with somebody we disagree with. Right. Well, and but the inevitable question then is, well, then should we not engage with people on social media at all? Then should should the crazies and the heretics run wild, but while we discerning people just sit back and not type anything? I think that the answer is no. Yeah. You should still engage, but understand that you do so in faith in the fact that God works through your wisdom, not through your loud voice. And so sometimes you may feel like you're speaking careful words and you're engaging people carefully, but you, you, you don't have the dom, you don't have the stage, but that's okay. I think in a world of social media, Christians need to like learn to navigate that, but you don't disengage. You still speak yeah. for the truth, engage people, communicate, and, and you become, I think overall um, your, your social media, life should overall itself be an, an example of wisdom. Of so, engagement. Yeah, wise yeah, engagement. Yeah. 
because our yeah our social media will demonstrate yeah wisdom it's gonna demonstrate humility love wisdom or it's gonna demonstrate militantism yeah where we are just you know bashing and fighting and we're basically creating explosions which are really right when you start punching without right. clarifying without humility without love it turns into a you know often pointless shoot first ask questions yeah. later rageathon yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> who's going to out you and know. it's it's really difficult because you want your you want to say something that's going to get other approval like we seek approval in this age of anxiety and self-consciousness you know so it's 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 you have to understand all those problems going on in your own heart as you seek to be a model of healthy disagreement you know so yeah. i think the other thing that i wanted to kind of land with a little bit here is just to have a chance for us to just okay so there's this balance disagreement is not uh, a bad thing per se we have to seek a balance between loving the truth seeking truth arguing for truth but also having a heart that is humble and aware of our limitation and loving others um just so we've gone through various seasons of church disagreement specifically yep. among christians um things that just gold nuggets that you've kind of got is shaped into you that you would kind of drop here um experiences or ways that this has played out in your life things that you've learned over the last five ten years i think the biggest one for me would be uh, humility uh learning uh, be, and humility by what i mean by humility humility is about being a good student mm -hmm. and the the emphasis there there be on the student part mm -hmm. so in my life what i've noticed often is that i argue with seemingly where I would want to think that I have pure motives. Uh -huh. That I'm arguing not just for my own self, not just for personal gain, for uh -huh. personal glory. To realize that people often that I argue with come from the same perspective or right. the same kind of um, desire to not maybe just be, you know, the rightest or whatever. Right. But they, they're, they're hungry f for, for truth, for to be to changes be, in the church that you yeah, want to see yeah uh, maturity in the community yeah. or growth right and so being a student record if you have if you learn and not, not that i'm perfect at this far from it but having an attitude of a student requires you to say well i'm possibly wrong on this yeah have i truly i mean the other side of that is that have i understood the issue correctly mm -hmm. um you know so one is student the other one is that um this idea of um Asking questions and making sure you know what you're disagreeing with. Right. Just developing an awareness of what you know and what you don't know. Right. So mm -hmm. much, so often, like you jump into a, an issue thinking you know because you read a book on it or something, yeah. not realizing that there's like a thousand PhDs on this subject and that yeah. there's so much more and that you're throwing out your perspective, but you're aware that there's a lot of depth that you're still not aware of. Yeah. And that, that, that helps you hold your perspective with a slightly open hand and a humble attitude. Yeah. Again, Alan Jacobs, it's an excellent book if you guys haven't read it, uh, How to Think. Really good. But he talks there about uh, taking time when you disagree and, in your own words, trying to state the opposing position. Right. And, and if seeing, they can say, yes, yes that's what I'm trying to that's say. What, yeah. Uh, you know, often we're just back and forth. And uh, we're, we're, we're talking past each other. Right. Um, but I think, that, like I said, that big element of 
of humility. I think another one is that not personalizing it mm. not is huge, right? So um, not taking things personally, but also not making enemies out of people, right? So when you when you've crossed that boundary, you've you've crossed the boundary of love, right? You you know where you've taken it personally that somebody's attacking your idea, mm-hmm. and as if they hate you, you you've you, you've crossed the boundary of love, and so you're gonna now you now you have a, now you look at a person as an enemy that has to be liquidated, right? Uh, and the same way, right? Not taking it, not making them the enemy is related to that. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like I think we. We, we like to talk about how, you know, the Bible talks about the fact that we need to f- stand for the truth and all that stuff. But we neglect to see how much God cares about the unity of his church. Like one of the most scandalous things you can do as a Christian is to disrupt Christian fellowship. So that's like a of sacred thing. Yeah. yeah. So like I didn't, that's something that, t- you know, took time to realize. But like over time of seeing Christians disagree over traditions or theology or denominational stuff or like purposes of the church, like just various Christian issues, right? Like I came out realizing, you know what? I should have a pretty low list of things that I'm willing to break fellowship over. Like any time that I'm talking to a fellow brother or sister in Christ in the church about something we're disagreeing about, you know, um, I should keep in the back of my mind, this is not a thing I'm willing to create uh, conflict with this person. I'm not willing to do, like I'm protecting love. Like I care about this person and I I protect our friendship in the midst of this conflict. Like you have that awareness, you're like, okay, you know what? Like it keeps your feelings in check more. It's like, you know what? Like, okay, wait, we can disagree on this. It's all good. What's, you know, what's more important? Or maybe sometimes you need to say, you know, I got to like think about this some more, yeah. you know, I'm not really getting anywhere. I'm not really convincing you of something um, or, you know, some theological point or whatever. Yeah. But you know what? That's okay. You're still like, you're still my brother in Christ. Like I still value that above this disagreement. Yeah. Christ lives in both of us. That's, that's crazy. That's amazing. And that's more sacred mm-hmm. than our disagreement on this issue. Yeah. Which relates to the fact that we view it as, disagreements as something to be win or lose mm-hmm. rather than as a way to move forward right so if you view it as somebody needs to come out on top right and you know get the there's win- always a winner and a loser yeah so in disagreement don't 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 pursue winning pursue going forward right together right to be enriched yeah um i think the other thing for me that's huge that i've learned is that i have to be real about the fact that the way that I disagree and what I disagree about and how I disagree mm-hmm. is a mirror to my maturity. Yeah. So if I get all flustered and angry and upset over secondary things and I lose my temper yeah. and I lose my peace, that is a sign that I really probably don't actually know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Very often that I'm uh, that it shows that I am immature in that area. It shows right. that I, I I'm, I'm insecure about it actually. Yeah. Right. And this, this actually goes far beyond that even, you know, you talked about in the church. That's one thing is, but we we don't need to be these guys with flamethrowers and guns against every unbeliever. And yeah. we are, we, we have no charity towards them. Yeah. So even though the level of disagreement between me disagreeing with a Christian on something and me disagreeing with a non-Christian is maybe different, mm-hmm. 
but I should be able to have a cordial conversation from my end with with a Mormon, yeah, with an atheist, where I'm able to talk with them without fighting right you know where it's an and emotional it's, battle it's not scandalous you're not compromising the truth you're simply acknowledging that they are a human being built in the image of god and even though you know christ and they don't mm. there may be some things in terms of like scientific knowledge historical like that there's many things that they probably know that you don't so um there's that basic sense of you know I, talking about humility i remember this moment when i one of my friends um, we were talking and I was like, how do you, uh, how do you, how do you keep such balance when you're talking or stating your opinion on stuff like at like church meetings where we were, you know, we were in a season of like change in the church and we were trying to, you know, mm -hmm. we're young people advocating for certain ways. Anyways, he said, you know, anytime I say something, I also say, you know, I could be wrong on this. And, and I remember as an 18 year old thinking, but but how like wait like you does that mean how 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 is it that i could say how could i say but i could be wrong but i'm either right or wrong and if i am confident i'm probably right like in my 18 year old self was so unaware of how little i knew and unaware of the fact that i can have a, a good impulse but a bad conclusion you know you yeah. can have a good observation like oh our church needs to do this more but a bad suggestion of how to do it so we're mixed creatures. We're all in progress, you know? So I think talking about winning or losing, um, one of the big things that I've learned is that lots of times when I have a big question or a disagreement with men I, dis I really respect in the church, I'm not even looking for who's going to win or who's going to lose because I understand that all of us could be wrong right now. We're actually, yeah. We are actually seeking God's guidance. So as we humble ourselves before the truth and we share our perspectives and we prayerfully seek guidance god can work through that fellowship to give us clarity and wisdom on an issue we didn't even have before so in that case nobody won it was mm -hmm. and and yet we all won in a sense that in the process of christians disagreeing this is an opportunity for the holy spirit to use fellowship and love to grant wisdom that wasn't there before yep you know so like I've come to value the men in my life with whom I can speak freely because I understand I could be wrong and I'm I love it that they can just challenge and correct me because they they believe in me and they they trust me, you know. Yeah. One of the most amazing things in the Christian life is to have people who don't think all like you and people who you trust as Christians. You know, mm -hmm. like that's just like that's that's the essence of friendship in many ways for me, Christian friendship. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, it's uniformity versus unity. But that to, to many young people, that just a big turnoff because um, th th we equate disagreement with bad friendship. You know, bad friends are the ones that tell me I'm wrong or, or challenge me. Yeah. But that's totally false. Yeah. And I think this touches upon a much more sensitive um, issue then an issue of um, your your inward comfort and stability in Christ right right if you are seeking for approval if you are you know if you are like if you're against if you disagree with me then you're against me right if that that points to the fact that maybe 
sometimes we live much more dependent on others' perspective on us right? rather than being very firmly grounded in God and in His Word and Christ and His love and His gospel mm-hmm. that gives us peace, that gives us strength, as opposed to the fact that, oh, I am... Um, oh, these people agree with me. Th- these people would not... You know, I'm, I'm, I'm totally in line with what these people right. think. And so we, we end up getting cues for stability from outside right not from god himself. and that's crazy because you think you're fighting for truth but all you're doing is you're fishing for emotional support and and you think you're being a truth warrior but you're just expressing your own insecurity in christ yeah if you know the gospel if you know the god who saved you you can admit that you can be wrong on stuff yeah and that won't shake you like i'm wrong on a lot of things lord but you've saved me by your grace and not by my works you know so like you have that anchor and so you can welcome wisdom and insight and challenging you know to be corrected yeah so that's insane so really cool well um you know that's the thing i think um that you we open up a can of worms we can keep talking this for such a long time and i think in our friendship the reason why is like i asked vitaly today is because there's we're like we have three you know i have a lot of friends but there's a, particular, there's a particular three stooge crowd that me, Vitaly, and Dan Tkachov have. And um, Dan is more of like the, the, the one who voices certain opinions. Dissent, dissenting <laughs> opinions. He, he, he will have things that he disagrees with, with you know, the church around him or people, ideas. Just, you know, we, we, we throw out ideas. He, he's more of the disagreeer. I'm more of the analytic. Like, I just pick apart everything and like you know look at all the details and and vitaly is like the peacemaker he's the one who's trying to like always create like (laughs) wisdom and trying to like moderate us and play devil's advocate on every issue so you know i think it's it's cool to see how like time goes on and what we were just talking before this like it's cool to see how god shapes you in this subject like like today i have more hope than ever in the church even though i am more aware of different perspectives now i understand what i believe i understand what first order issues are and i understand that i'm united on the gospel with people mm-hmm. and yet you know the the diversity of the church is actually something that's exciting to me because i live in a church community where we prize the, the unity mm-hmm. you know yeah. so in the past i was such a perfectionistic you know this is the way the truth yeah um and there's a lot more freedom to see Christ works in his body. I mean, that's what Jesus says, right? You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so it's fascinating when you have, um, when you're maturing, as you're noticing that you actually have a lot more freedom when you disagree. Right. To have love and acceptance and not ruined relationships. Yeah. That freedom that Christ, so there's like this element as you grow in the truth, it's a holistic experience. Right. It's not just that you will know how to dissect everything perfectly and win every single argument. No. Right. It's a holistic maturing experience of where you are able to, in a sense, just like Jesus, bring together very different disciples. You know, you have the somebody who's possibly a zealot, you have somebody who is like from different part, somebody who's a fisherman, mm-hmm. right? And they like come very different perspectives looking at each other and he brings them together and they're able to Change the world. Change the world. Yeah. Right? Um, even though they maybe disagree on certain things. And same thing for us. I think that when you grow in maturity, you are able to worship better. You're able to be enriched and grow. Mm-hmm. And you're able to serve and bless others. Yeah. Because some of the most difficult or ch- 
it's either going to be the worst part of your life or the best. Some of your biggest moments of growth are the dis the, the the relationships and questions where you disagree with fellow Christians. Mm -hmm. Those are those are opportunities for biggest growth because you're it's an opportunity for you to gain trust of that person, to deepen a relationship, to to express your humility yep. and to for you to invite God to work and deepen your fellowship with that person. You know, and, and oftentimes we're just stuck on the issue itself rather than the entire relationship and the dynamic of the Holy Spirit working in both of us. You know, because if you don't understand that, then it's that's where destruction is sown all the time. You have relationships, tensions, disagreements, and you're constantly frustrated by the church, you know. But when you look at it from this lens, you know, the disagreement within the church is an opportunity to grow in love, Yep, which is really cool. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, if you are benefiting from this episode, please feel free to send it to somebody and maybe somebody that you've just had a disagreement with in the past uh, month can, or you so. You can disagree with somebody over it. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe send it to somebody with whom you can disagree about it and model some of the stuff we talked about. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, feel free to send them to us on Instagram, Facebook, everywhere there. Um, check out well-said.org. That's kind of the website where all these things are uploaded and I write articles and just more conversations going on there. So thank you guys so much for listening and we will talk to you again soon. Bye.